welcome to the South Mims U podcast. It's 2020 and we are in the long run up to the American presidential election. We thought that this would be the perfect time to highlight a fact about South Mims that only a select group of presidential history enthusiasts know. We are the site of the only museum specially dedicated to one-term presidents. There were 11 of them, 11 presidents who served one term and then failed to gain re-election. It's a small but select group of what history usually sees as failures, but not all of them are. And that's the message of this museum and the club that's attached to it. To explain, I have on the line the South Mims U Professor of Presidential History, Thurman Arthur, who just might be a distant relative of the 21st president, Chester A. Arthur. Well, hello and thank you. Yes, it's a distant possibility, but I'd really like it to be so. We're still looking into the family tree to find out if we're distant cousins. And with me in the uh, studio is the curator of the One-Term President's Museum, Cassandra Carnevale. Hello! Can you hear me? Uh, yes, yes, we can hear you, Cassandra. Eh? You are, no, you, we can hear you are in the studio. Oh, well, well hold on. I just uh, make the polenta cake for the faculty meeting. S- sorry, the what? The faculty meeting. Oh, faculty meeting. Yes, yes. Cassandra's polenta cake is the highlight of our week. She has an amazing memory for recipes and such a good cook. And about one-term presidents. Well, that's very useful. Oh, porco Dio. Sorry, I just need to put the cake in the oven. Un momento. Okay, and you don't have to shout, Cassandra. Okay. Okay, so while uh, Cassandra puts the cake in the oven, uh, we'll start with you, Thurman. Oh, she's a fine woman, Cassandra is. You know, she started out running the university's canteen and then became a lecturer in domestic science and finally took the job as curator at the museum. As well as being an expert historian, she's a font of entertaining presidential trivia, which visitors love. Uh, Do you get many visitors? I mean, I didn't even know the museum existed until our editorial board decided to do this podcast. Well, yes, we do. We are obscure but well-regarded. In fact, we do get around 3,000 visitors a year, and most of them join our club. Perhaps 70% of those visitors are Americans. Well, that's impressive. Okay, so who started the museum? I did. And why did you do it? Because America is a society that's obsessed with the office of the president. That's why the election of Donald Trump caused such shockwaves. Was that because people were alarmed that someone like him could become president? Not just for that reason. Of course, those who were opposed to him were alarmed that someone seemingly so unfit to be president managed to get into the White House. But his supporters are just as surprised, and let's call it happy, that someone like him could actually get elected. But the office of the president is more than just a political one, isn't it? Ah, it is. The American president seems to have so much power, but it's rather strictly circumscribed by the American Constitution. That does not stop people believing that the president is all-powerful. Trump often forgets that he isn't all-powerful. He does. He has no understanding of the way the United States government and constitution work. But that doesn't mean he has tarnished the aura around the presidency. It's almost regal. Regal? But the American Revolution and the framers of the Constitution did their best to avoid any hint of anything regal or monarchical. Well, that's true. 
but the office of the president has a regal tinge to it. You know, there was a fascinating article by a scholar named Michael Rogan back in the 1980s when Ronald Reagan was in the Oval Office. And he likened the presidency to the medieval concept of the king's two bodies. Well, how does that work? I mean, it sounds like something out of Black Mirror. <laughs> well, not quite. It's the idea that the office is not defined by the man who holds it, or maybe one day the woman. Medieval kings could behave in horrible ways. But when they died, the idea of the king, the institution of the monarchy, was not tarnished by his actions, and the new king could start again. The throne, the office, the position of monarch or president is separate to the person who holds it. So when you become a king or a president, you have two bodies, a physical one, Donald Trump, and a quasi-spiritual one as president. You can be a bad man and act like a bad president, but once you're gone, the presidency itself stays pure. OK, well, that sounds quite complex. So what does that have to do with the one-term presidents? I'm here. The cake is baker now, so for the podcast. I can talk to you. Uh, thank you, Cassandra. Uh, we'll be with you in a little bit. Don't worry, don't worry. I can carry on and make Donald Trump a wig. OK, uh, thanks. Uh, wig? Donald Trump's wig? For the waxwork. Oh, right. You have waxworks in your museum. Oh, we have 11 waxworks. We are preparing a 12th one. I see. A, a, a waxwork of Mr. Trump. Just in case. Well, explain your fascination with one-termers. Well, it's a fascination and a terrible fear. A fear? Most modern holders of the office of president have a terrible fear of not winning the second term. They believe failure to do so will tarnish their place in history. Does being a one-termer tarnish their place in history? Well, usually, but not always. There are notable exceptions. So, failing to win re-election is considered to be an ignominious stain on a president's record? It is seen as such, yes. I should explain that a president usually serves only two terms. That was a tradition started by the very first president, George Washington. Oh, Cassandra's got a bell. All right then, okay, that's fine. George Washington, 1789 to 1797. Uh, his teeth were not made of wood. They were made of elephant and walrus tusk, and also cow, hippo, and even the human teeth. Only the best for the Presidente. Uh, thank you, Cassandra. She can't help herself. Well, no, no, it's fascinating. Washington didn't want to serve for a third term because he worried that if he did, a dynasty might be started and then America would end up being just like Great Britain or France. OK, so the second president, the one that came after Washington, was... Um... John Adams. John Adams, 1797 to 1801. Right, right, thanks. Adams was the very first one-term president. I'll come back to him. Let's just establish that there was no rule that a president could not serve more than twice until 1951, when the 22nd Amendment was passed. It limits incumbency of the presidency to two terms only. Franklin D. Roosevelt was the one exception to the rule. He was elected to four terms. 
though he died right at the start of the fourth. As um, as my notes inform me, there have been 22 one-term presidents, but you only make a waxwork of those who failed to win a re-election. I mean, what happened to the other 11? Ask Cassandra. Most did not run for re-election again or died in office. You want a list? Oh, n- no, no, thank you, Cassandra. William Henry Harrison gave a two-hour inaugural speech in the rain and he died 31 days later in 1841. Zachary Taylor, they say, died of sunstroke and food poisoning after eating too many cherries in 1850. Che <laughs> Well, that's uh, fascinating, but um, I think we'll stick to the one-termers who qualify for your waxworks. Suit yourself. Oh, forgive Cassandra. She's uh, uh, very passionate. So, no president can serve more than twice. What's so bad about serving just once? I mean, at least you've been president once. Ah, but America hates losers. And when a loser is their president, they hate them even more. Of course, there are a few of the other 11 who are revered. Some of their losses were due to a split in the vote or the vagaries of the Electoral College, and that happened to John Adams. And yet he is seen as a great man. John Adams was short and fat and was known as his rotundity. Well, that's funny. I like that. His rotundity. (laughs) Trump is quite rotund, but that nickname seems a tad polite for him. Abraham Lincoln is a two-termer because he won the second election but was shot just a few days after his second inauguration. John F. Kennedy is a one-termer but was assassinated just short of a year before he faced an election. Lyndon Johnson is a two-termer, though he only won a single election as president. He decided not to run again in 1968. Richard Nixon is a two-termer, even though he resigned two years into his second term. I see, I see. The point is, when a president wants to win again and doesn't win again, it's humiliating. Yes, and that's what Trump fears the most. Being a loser, a very public loser. The twelfth big presidential loser. Now, some of them took losing in their stride. Jimmy Carter actually became even more admired and influential as he carved out a post-presidential place for himself in the world. But Trump won't, can't do that. He might not even like being president. He certainly hasn't made a good job of it, But he wants to win just to win again. I I mean, you're already making his waxwork. Well, we expect him to lose, but everyone expected him to lose in 2016. So we don't want to get caught out. But he, but he won then. Shemo, it's the same probability, just the other way round. Cassandra, be nice to the young man. Why should I steal the podcast? Uh, sorry, I'm sorry. OK, so John Adams was the first of your, um, um, let's call them elite one-termers. Uh, well, can we call them that? It's a strange way of putting it, but, but yes, it has a logic to it. They are the elite because they are in our museum and in our club. Exactly that. Good point, Cassandra. Well, thanks. Uh, though Trump won't see it that way, will he? Uh, he might. It's how he could spin losing. I'm the best one-termer ever. So who are the other ten? John Quincy Adams.
John Quincy Adams, 1825-1829, President number 6, famous for swimming back naked in the Potomac River in Washington. Oh, well, thanks, Cassandra. John Quincy Adams was rumoured to have had Russian help to win his election and had not won the popular vote. Sounds familiar, eh? You're joking. That happened before. He also introduced tariffs which caused some parts of the US to suffer financially. So lots of parallels. Well, no wonder he didn't get re-elected then. Then there's Martin Van Buren, who lost the election because the economy tanked during his time in the White House. Van Buren. He could be the reason we say okay. He came from a kinder hook known as Old Kinderhook, and OK clubs were set up to support him when he got elected in 1837. Oh, sorry, 1836. Fascinating. Though there are plenty of other theories about the provenance of OK. Anyway, there's a long gap until the presidency of Benjamin Harrison, 1889 to 1893. Benjamin Harrison was another candidate who won the popular vote, but lost in the Electoral College, so he didn't get a second term. He was known to be so stiff and cold, he was called the human iceberg. And his first lady, Carolina, started the tradition of putting a Christmas tree in the White House. Uh, well, at Christmas. Uh, losing the popular vote seems to be a recurring theme. It is, but I think that's a subject for another podcast. OK, but who's next? Well, this is where it gets a bit complicated. Step back to before Harrison and you will see the name Grover Cleveland. Now, he won in 1884, lost in 1888, became a one-termer, then he ran again in 1892 beat Harrison in the Electoral College and served another term. He's counted as a one-termer because he lost his first re-election bid. And, to confuse everything forever, he's counted twice. Counted twice? Well, Donald Trump is the 45th president, but only 44 men have ever been president. That's because Cleveland is both the 22nd and the 24th president of the United States. Grover Cleveland was the only president to get married in the White House to a much younger woman, Frances Fulsom, whom he'd bought a baby carriage for when she was born because she was the daughter of a business partner. Creep. Indeed. Next is William Howard Taft. The fattest president. William Howard Taft, 1909 to 1913. They say he weighed 332 pounds, and once he got stuck in his bathtub. <laughs> the bathtubs were enlarged in the White House after that, so Trump can fit in there as well. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, uh, why did Taft lose? Taft lost the election of 1912 because his predecessor, Teddy Roosevelt, ran on a third-party ticket and split the Republican vote. Taft was famous for liking baseball. And once he was at a game and got a cramp or something and stood up during the seventh inning to stretch and do exercise. And that became the seventh inning stretch, which still happens today. It does? Well, how quaint. And then there's Herbert Hoover, who lost the election of 1932 to FDR. The Wall Street crash, the Great Depression, 
and Hoover's seeming disregard for the plight of the unemployed did for him at the polls. Oh, Hoover and his wife spoke Chinese to each other, so the conversation could not be overheard. <laughs> really? Well, that's weird. Also, the people were really tired of prohibition, and FDR promised the return of beer. He would have won on that policy alone, perhaps. Next, we have Gerald Ford in 1976. He succeeded Richard Nixon after Watergate. Gerald Ford is the only president who didn't run for either president or vice president. That's because Richard Nixon's first VP, Spiro Agnew, had to resign because of his own scandal. And Ford was appointed after the 1972 election. So Ford was never, ever elected at all. He even came close to not being nominated by his own party. Ronald Reagan nearly beat him. He was known to be clumsy. There was a joke that he couldn't walk and chew gum at the same time. But that's unfair. He was a very principled man. Also, Ford was once a male model and an all-star football player at the University of Michigan. Uh, um, then there's Jimmy Carter, right? Yes, Carter was a peanut farmer who did very well and rose to political prominence very quickly. Jimmy Carter was a devout Christian and, strangely, was the very first president to have been born in a hospital. All the others had been born at home. Well, that's a fun fact that's bound to come up in a quiz. <laughs> well, Carter lost because of a failing economy as well as the Iran hostage crisis and failed attempt to rescue the hostages. And finally, the 11th one-termer. We have George H. W. Bush who won in the afterglow of the Reagan presidency, fought the first Gulf War, but lost because the economy dipped, despite a lot of confidence in his prospects of winning the 1992 election. And then we come to Trump. We do. Cassandra mentioned that uh, she was working on his hair. It's difficult, very difficult. We also have to order in a lot of wax. The man is morbidly obese. And extra orange. Orange what? Orange colouring. It's hard to get that makeup just right. Well, well, good luck, Cassandra. Luck has nothing to do with it. Que shame. So, Thurman, that's quite a line-up you have at your museum. I mean, you also describe it as a club. How does that work? Well, will you join? And we send out a newsletter which not only deals with historical research around these 11 presidents in particular, but also presidential history in general, and more importantly, loser studies. Loser studies? Yes, yes, loser studies. The study of how we lose, why we lose, and why we hate losing. Trump is a unique case. A man who loves to call people losers, but could end up being the biggest loser of them all. A loser for all history. Well, those are very high stakes. They are very high stakes and better stakes than the ones Trump tried to sell a few years ago. Sorry, um, I think that joke passed me by. Oh, uh, Trump put out a line of meat steaks. Trump steaks, meat, fillet, rump, you know. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, that's a very good joke, Thurman. And Trump steaks were a joke, which could be a good word to describe his chances of a second term. But you never know. 
you never know. We will continue to make his waxworks figure and see what happens. And if he does join the one-termer club, you might get more visitors. We're bound to. It will put our museum on the map. So, a big loss for Trump is a big win for you and your museum. And the world, Trump, he belongs in this museum, not in any other museum. A museum for losers. Well, thank you, Cassandra, and thank you, Thurman. That's been fascinating. Presidential history is certainly a rich source of stories. Uh, thank you, dear listeners. Please don't be a one-termer at South Mims U. Come back. You don't have to win the popular vote. Our electoral college will let you in. I think you were labouring that joke a little. Oh, sorry. I'll probably be a one-podcast host then. <laughs> See.